1: From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC, and Program Director of the MedPEDS Residency Program. Well, school starts back in just a few weeks, and in addition to making sure that you have all those school supplies, how can you ensure that your child starts school smoothly? We'll be discussing back-to-school topics today, and as usual, we'll be taking your calls and comments. We would love to hear from you today. You can reach us by calling one mpb ring That's 1-877-672-7464, or send an email to kids at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio.
2: Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The U.S. Senate is entering its third day of debate over legislation to dismantle the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare. Republicans are still searching for a proposal that can win the 50 votes necessary to pass the chamber. And PR Susan Davis reports Senate leaders are considering a new option dubbed skinny repeal. This skinny bill would only repeal a few provisions of Obamacare, including the individual mandate and some taxes. It's the lowest common denominator of policies Republicans say they can support. Senators say the proposal is not the final offer, but passing it would let Republicans enter a new round of negotiations with the House to keep the legislation in play. It's still unclear if the skinny bill can pass. President Trump kept up his Twitter pressure campaign on Senate Republicans this morning. After seven years, this is your chance to shine, he tweeted. Don't let the American people down. Susan Davis, NPR News, The Capitol. A day after President Trump tweeted that transgender people will not be allowed to serve in the U.S. military, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff says he expects troops to remain focused on accomplishing their assigned missions. And PRS Tom Bowman reports on General Joseph Dunford's first public response to Trump's tweet.
3: He said there'll be no modification of the current policy until the president's direction has been received by the Secretary of Defense. And the secretary has issued implementation guidance. So basically, no change at this point. Uh, right now, there are a uh, number of transgender folks in the military. No one has a really good count. But uh, what uh, General Dunford said, in the meantime, we will continue to treat all of our personnel with respect.
2: That's NPR's Tom Bowman reporting. It has been a tense scene at the Al Aqsa Mosque compound in Jerusalem today. But Muslims were able to pray at the holy site after Palestinians protested and Israelis removed security equipment. Police say clashes with stone throwers erupted, and as NPR's Daniel Estrin reports from the old city of Jerusalem, many expecting to enter got stuck outside the holy site.
1: I'm in the old city of Jerusalem, and it's a really confusing scene. Muslims were packed here expecting this to be a celebration, throwing candies, waiting for the chance to finally go into the Al-Aqsa Mosque for the first time in two weeks. But then I watched police lob stun grenades into the crowd. People fled. I saw one man being treated for a bloody nose.
2: and NPR's Daniel Estrin reporting. The King of Jordan is warning the Prime Minister of Israel that their diplomatic relations will suffer if an Israeli security guard does not answer for a deadly shooting at the Israeli embassy in Jordan earlier this week. The guard returned to Israel a day after he opened fire on two Jordanians. The guard says one of them, a teenager, attacked him with a screwdriver. The Dow is up 58 points. You're listening to NPR News. A two day national strike in Venezuela has resulted in at least three deaths. NPR's Philip Reeves has details.
1: Officials say the three dead were all males, one only 16 years old. They're the latest of more than 100 fatalities that have occurred over the past four months as government security agencies have battled rolling street protests. The bloodshed comes as Venezuela's opposition parties step up pressure on President Nicolás Maduro to cancel Sunday's elections to a new assembly that will be able to rewrite the constitution. Opposition leaders believe a new constitution will turn the country into an all-out dictatorship. They've called a 48-hour national strike, now in its second day, that's paralyzing parts of the country. They're planning a big protest in the capital Friday, which they're calling the taking of Caracas. Philip Reeves, NPR News.
2: As speculation grows over the future of his job, Attorney General Jeff Sessions is visiting El Salvador today to talk about gang violence. His agenda includes talks about ridding U.S. cities of the violent gang MS-13, as well as combating drug trafficking and human smuggling. But a cloud of uncertainty looms over the visit. In the past week, the White House has made no secret of its disappointment in Sessions' performance as Attorney General specifically angered by Sessions' decision to recuse himself from the investigation into Russian meddling in the election and alleged collusion with the Trump campaign. U.S. stocks trading higher this hour with a Dow up 59 points at 21,770. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News in Washington.
0: Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the estate of Joan Crock. Whose bequest serves as an enduring investment in the future of public radio. And the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation at rwjf.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one eight seven seven MPB Ring. That's 1 672 7464. Or you can email the show kids at org. And now, Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio
1: Good morning, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC and Program Director of the MedPeds Residency Program Well, summer is just about over You wouldn't know it from the temperature though It's like it's just getting cranked up out there Please be careful Keep in mind that uh, just because you live in the South doesn't mean you can cook your body in the South. Uh, need to, to uh, make sure if you got young kids, too, that you uh, keep them out of the sun, keep them cool. But back-to-school time is here. I can just hear the moans and groans of those kids. I've been seeing them in clinic, uh, and they, you know, it's like, hey, are you having fun? You can just see it on their faces. They smell it. Summer's coming to an end. And as a parent, <clears throat> and you got to think about how can you help your child make a smooth transition from summer vacation to the school routine. So many times parents are bemoaning, you know, all the different things that can go on. And uh, it it does pay to put forth a little bit of extra time, a little bit of extra effort to make that transition a good one. So what are some of the issues that, that you need to consider if that's where you are with your children Uh, no matter what their ages are, but that's what we're going to be talking about today is back to school. And then we'll be taking your calls with the help of, I've got a special guest here, Dr. Deanie McVaden, which I'll introduce in just a minute. But you can reach us this morning with any questions in particular that you have. Maybe you're already you know, thinking about this and maybe fighting some battles with your family uh, and you want some advice on it. we got some free advice for you this morning on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And you can reach us by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send an email to kids at mpbonline.org. So uh, I had a you know nice time of a vacation several weeks ago and it seems like you know it was actually not that not that bad I went down to the Gulf of Mexico to the uh to the beaches down there and uh, man, coming back this past week, we've really hit the hit the heat. Heat indexes are pretty high, so I can't stress that enough. So, Dr. McVaden, thank you for coming this hey. morning.
4: Hey, Dr. Stewart, Thanks for having me. Happy sure. to be here today.
1: Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. So tell us where you're from originally and where you did some of your training and sort of where you are right now.
4: Sure. So I grew up on the Gulf Coast in <coughs> Biloxi. Um, then I did my um, undergrad at Mississippi State in Starkville, and then I've been in Jackson for about the last six years. I uh, did medical school there, and now I'm a pediatrics resident. It's just started my third year.
1: So we've had residents on pretty routinely, just to remind you of what that is, because sometimes you may be seen by a resident, maybe your child, or maybe you are seen by a resident. You don't exactly know what that means. So uh, there are, after you finish college, there are four years of medical school, At the end of those four years, you are a doctor. You get your your MD or DO degree, and that says that you're a doctor and you can practice medicine. But then with all different specialties, unless you go into the military or some other exceptions, uh, there's some further training that you do after med school, and that's called residency and residency is where it's almost like the old apprenticeship so you're you're following people around you're actually taking care of patients and you're a real doctor doing that it's just that there's some supervision and some further training and uh, dr mcvaden is a pediatric resident so that means she takes care of pediatric patients so Anything from birth all the way up to twenty one years of age. So that's a that's a big range and a lot of stuff to learn and uh sure is. <laughs> it's you 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 think, man, am I gonna get to the end of this? Uh
4: <laughs> there's a light at the end of the tunnel somewhere.
1: Sooner than later. So welcome again, Dr. McVaden. We're gonna be uh uh getting some wisdom uh from you and uh and maybe let me say this too, if you have had some successes with your family on those transitions. To School, and maybe you're a school you know principal or uh, a teacher that's listening today. maybe you 've got something to say uh, that can uh, sort of chime in in uh, some of the things that you see in your students during those first couple of weeks of school that you'd like to share. Uh, Hey, give us a call this morning. We'd love to hear from you if you've got some pearls of wisdom that you could share with everybody else. So the the first thing that really comes up with any kind of transition with kids, whether that's a vacation, if you're going on a vacation, coming back from a vacation, you really have to think at least a little bit about planning. And I know a lot of people aren't inherently planners. Uh, They sort of free spirits. Most of the time you'll have a mix in families. So there's usually one person who's the planner and one person who is sort of a spree a, a spirit, a free spirit. It's one of those days, Jay. So, uh so it's hot because it's <laughs> hot right i've got cooked very hot it's very hot very hot that's right yes sir so <laughs> so uh planning is key though and making a list is a great way to do that and co- you know and going back to school making a list of things that you need in particular is a big one most school sites will have a list that's age specific so just because your child had something that they needed last year doesn't mean that they'll need the exact same thing this coming year, so that's that's important uh, for them to have. And there's lots of school requirements at different ages, so check out your school's uh, website, and they should have something there. You know, if it's in a, a public school, usually they do that by by district, uh, but they may have some some particular. Um, you know specifics at each in uh, at each school's website that they can they can talk to you about. One big one is vaccinations. We're going to talk more about that next week. Not, not going to spend a whole lot of time on it today, but remember for for uh, you know that, that there are age specific vaccinations. Um, you know the things that they need at different ages, particularly if they're entering school for the first time in and kindergarten, but also. If they're, uh, you know, rising sixth graders or between the fifth and sixth grade, there are some things that, that are needed. But we'll talk more about that next week as we talk about vaccinations. School supplies are another one, right? So there's lots of different supplies.
4: And lists, lists of supplies. Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah. So, I mean, I'm thinking back of the list that I had in school. Just about
4: four or five things. That was it. Now it's about 30.
1: Yeah. So we, we our church partners with the, uh, one of the JPS schools and I looked at a list yesterday from the JPS website and went out to Office Depot during lunch to go pick up some stuff. And, man.
4: Yeah, you're out about 500 bucks by the end of <laughs> <Wasn't> <laughs> the It
1: wasn't quite shopping. that much. But it was, yeah, it's a lot of things. And uh, it's some cool stuff. I'm such, a, I'm such a nerd. I mean, my pediatric side really comes out because I was like. I
4: always love to get new school supplies.
1: Yeah. And it's not just like you can't. It's not just like the 24-pack of crayons. I mean, you've got lots of options now, right? Right. I mean, even if they don't have burnt sienna, whatever the color <laughs> Cerulean. is. Cerulean. Cerulean, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> whatever that is. Uh, yeah, so supplies are a big one uh, in making sure that you have them. You know, if you have multiple kids, too, uh, I would go ahead and come up with a system. I know a lot of people use different systems of trying to coordinate that, particularly if they're all at similar ages, uh, you know, not just for clothes, for uniforms, all those kinds of things. Hey, don't don't be shy. Label those things. Absolutely. Uh, you can use initials. Uh, you can color code. Maybe somebody has a different color backpack. They don't have to be twins just to do that. So those are good things to keep in mind uh, when you go out and buy supplies. And then, you know, there are some some special accommodations for some kids. So particularly if your child has a a medical condition that would require some deviation to what everybody else is going to do. For instance, allergies. So there's lots of allergy issues, right?
4: Right. So things like albuterol inhalers, um, EpiPens, all those things that kind of need to be on site at the school. I know I've kind of run into some issues in my uh, continuity clinic um, with a lot of the public schools not having full-time nurses Don't always feel comfortable having these. So just make sure you're talking to your pediatrician, getting whatever paperwork you need done um, to make sure they have those medications that they need on site at school and know how to use them and the teachers aware too. Um, Had lots of problems with that going into the the fall.
1: Yeah. And if you if you have any questions about that, ask your physician. You know, this is about the time that a lot of kids will come in, you know, for a regular checkup. It's a convenient time and to make sure everything's okay, maybe school physical that they need. Uh, for, for different things. We'll talk about that in a second.
4: And don't wait till the last minute. No. Uh, it's hard to get in to see uh, your pediatrician this yeah. time of year. So make sure you're getting in way ahead of time before school starts. Make yeah. sure you have all your refills and your sports physicals ready
1: to go. Please call. And the, the ER is not the right place to mm. get your school physical. They don't offer uh, physicals in right. the, the emergency room. This is Southern Empty Kids and Teens. We're talking about back-to-school issues today. We'd love to hear any kind of questions you have, in particular, if it's your child who has one of these uh, special medical conditions, maybe some chronic conditions, and you have a question about what they would need. Uh, in particular, going into a school environment, give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send an email to kids at Online dot org. So diets are a big one too. You know, like uh, gluten sensitivity is a big one we see a good bit, but also allergies.
4: Right, food allergies, and uh, most of the schools now offer gluten free options for. Mm-hmm. I think they're required to for kids with. Um, Celiac uh, disease, but also food allergies as well. I think that's why it's important to have epipens. You never know what kids are going to bring into the classroom or um, share in the lunchroom, so I think that's always important to have.
1: Yeah, and depending on your resources too, particularly if you're going to a new school environment, um, it, some there are some situations. Let's say that your child has maybe moderate to severe asthma, that you might want to ask what the resource sources are there at the school. And if they have a school nurse uh, or somebody that comes around, you know, that's been trained appropriately as a healthcare uh, professional, uh, that might be a great resource that you have. Uh, you know, we I, one of my things that I'm interested in in pediatrics is pediatric hypertension, and a lot of school nurses can help out with that. You know, we sort of seeing what the blood pressure is at school from time to time. Um, if there's any problems, it's nice to have that resource there. Absolutely, and
4: the teachers as well. I feel like need to be aware of of those things too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, planning is the big deal. So if you have that written down, if you have a plan, particularly if it's a chronic medical condition, just about everybody, not just if you have asthma, but other things too. Diabetes is another one. What is the plan? Should things you know? Should emergencies or uh, problems arise. What's going to be the plan? All right. Uh, Which I,
4: your pediatricians can definitely help you with. if yeah. you have any questions?
1: And I've got lots of friends who are teachers, and they, you know they're they're quick to point out. We, you know, if you're the parent uh, of a child, uh, we they need to have your correct uh, contact information down. So, uh, you know, I know sometimes, particularly at the front at the start of the year, if there's a problem, they may call a number that's maybe outdated. So, take the time to make sure all those contact information all that contact information is current and up to date. So pre-participation physicals, you know, somebody would say, well, why, you know, my kid's going to play football. Are they going to play soccer? Uh, are they going to be a cheerleader? So why do they need a physical? So what do you tell them when they ask that?
4: So I always kind of uh, go over what I look for in the the sports physical. Um, there's a lot of important things that we need to kind of, rule out or clear them for before they go um go and play especially things like scoliosis we look for um any kind of heart murmur things like that um which can all kind of affect them you know in the long run and it's just a good time to get a good general well child check-in um as well and you know a lot of sports need them, not just football basketball kind of the more um you know uh contact sports that i filled out a sports physical the other day for golf so you know yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, just about
4: everything. So,
1: and they do have if you'll, you know, just sort of keep your ears open uh, and eyes open. There, there are a lot of uh, group sports physicals that are put together. So I know a lot of the sports medicine groups in town do those in mass. So they'll do you know a hundred, a thousand a day uh, on a Saturday. Check with your school too, your school sports program, because they may can help you out on some uh, free uh, access to those. And typically, those are free services that are that are provided. Uh, But if you have any kind of questions, just ask, you know, call your doctor, call your physician about that. And there may be some things that your particular child may need. Uh, Another thing that comes up with the pre-participation physicals, you know, for a lot of adolescents, because they're relatively healthy, at least they think they're healthy. This is one of the times that we pick up on problems. We catch all kinds of
4: things. I know uh, with your hypertension clinic, um, you know, we screen a lot. I feel like that's probably the number one way we find kids with high blood pressure is when they come in for their sports physicals. Um, We catch that um, and things that they probably wouldn't normally come to the doctor for um, or, you know, wouldn't normally come for the well child check look. They should every year, but we'll catch a lot of things um, on physicals just because they haven't been to the doctor in a long time. Um, So it's very, very important uh, to get before they play any kind of sports.
1: This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about back to school topics today. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about preparation for those things. A lot of time for you to call in with your particular question or comment. You can reach us at 1 877 MPB Ring. That's 1 672 7464, or send an email to kids at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back.
2: Hey, y'all, it's Felder
0: Rushing. I'm the Gestalt Gardener, and I am so pleased to join y'all every week talking about gardening. You know, you don't have to be anybody or join anything to be part of this party. All we're going to do is talk
4: about garden and garden-related stuff and maybe a little psychology working in at the same time. Let's have a lot of fun on the Gestalt Gardener. Fridays at 9 and Saturdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio.
0: can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can email the show, kids at mbbonline.org.
1: back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with Dr. Deanie McVaden, and we're talking about back-to-school topics. How do you get your family prepared and yourself prepared? Because it's a big adjustment for parents to, to get back into the swing of things when it's school time. Uh, a lot of transitions, a lot of uh, different schedules and different routines that have been uh, sort of maintained during the summer period, even if it's a short period of time. It's hard to uh, get back in the swing of things. We've been talking about some preparation, some planning involved in that, particularly if your child has chronic health problems. You might want to check with your school and make sure that they're equipped to deal with that and that they're aware is probably the biggest thing to deal with that. Let's go to our first caller this morning, Shirley from Starkville. Good morning, Shirley. Hey, Shirley. Are you there, Shirley? Oh, hold on just a second. Shirley, are you there? Hello, Charlie. All right, so uh, we'll get back to Charlie in just a second. So, yeah, so so letting people know about things is probably the biggest thing in preparation. And and certainly if you do have chronic health problems, uh, getting that information to the school and, and having a plan if things go wrong. All right, so let's try this one more time. Shirley, are you there?
2: Yes, hello.
1: Thank you for calling. What's your uh, question or comment this morning?
2: Okay, well thank you guys for your wonderful program. Um uh my uh youngest uh, granddaughter uh has had uh febrile seizures. She's now 4 and so she's in preschool uh will be in preschool and so I'm wondering um should uh first of all uh should um my daughter and son-in-law let the school know uh that she has had uh, i think two or three episodes when she was younger and secondly uh they live in indianapolis so sometimes the uh, kids come to visit me so during the summertime should i be watchful of anything in that regard
4: absolutely so um i think it's a great idea to kind of uh you know let the school be aware of that um she has a history of the febrile seizures You're always at, you know, a slight risk of having more after you've you've had one Um, and just kind of letting them be aware of that, staying on top of fevers, which I'm sure um, they've talked to you about, you know, making sure you you treat the fever early um, and kind of have a plan of what to do, you know, let them know that she's had those in the past. And if she has one at school, um, you know, not to do anything, just kind of keep a safe environment for um, and those type of things. But I I think it's it's a great idea to let the school know.
1: Yeah, Shirley, you know, the the. There's uh, every seizure is not like every other, so it's a there's a difference of types of seizures. Febrile seizures are actually pretty common. Uh, they are usually self limiting, meaning they go away on their own, and they they are thought to be caused by changes in temperature. So that's why they tell you if your child has a fever, uh, to give them Tylenol uh, or uh, you know Advil, depending on the age and to uh to make sure that their their temperature doesn't rise very quickly you can also have them sometimes if it's really high and then the temperature changes and goes back down low but they're almost always uh you know fairly straightforward seizures it does there is some chance of of having that usually they'll grow out of that as they get older and it's not really associated with any long-term complication uh like some of the other seizures are so the biggest thing is just letting the school know about that. I think that's a great idea, just like Doctor McBaden said, and then making sure you have a plan. Uh, and it's you know the biggest plan you could have if you're taking care of them there in Starkville is just to make sure if they, you know, if they feel warm, document it with a thermometer, and if they do have a fever, you know, go. I would go ahead and, and give them some Tylenol or, or Advil, whatever their doctor and parents, you know, have have suggested would be the best thing. But yeah, that's one of those things that is. It's scary seizures are scary in school. I can remember having uh you know as a child being in a classroom in the third grade and somebody had a seizure and uh it it's a scary thing not just for the kids but also for the teachers there but um but that that's that's what we would suggest Shirley does that answer your question?
2: Yes, thank you.
1: you're welcome Have a
2: day.
1: sure, you too thanks for calling. Yeah, seizure, seizures are a big one. Uh, you know, with particularly if you're on chronic medications and not necessarily febrile seizures, but other seizures, certainly there are things that you do and that you don't do in a school situation that may be a little bit different. And I think a lot of times parents and you know schools have to realize they're not the EMTs, they're not the emergency medical technicians, they're right. not uh, that there is a limit on some of the things that they can do.
4: Right. Knowing when to call. ENT Absolutely.
1: And, yeah. And pretty quick.
4: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Most schools have a pretty uh, you know, low threshold for doing that. So um, but preparation, again, is a big thing and knowing what to prepare for. Let's go to Paul in Cleveland. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Thanks for calling.
3: Uh, am I actually on the
1: air? You are actually <laughs> on the air. OK.
3: Uh, it may be that this is Well known to everyone, but on the chance that it isn't, I wanted to share with you the fact that a civic club, the Lions Club, uh, is concerned with people's visual problems. Mm -hmm. Sure. And I don't know if at the beginning of each school year or the beginning of kindergarten or first grade, if all kids are screened to see if they have visual problems but my hope is that every principal knows or every classroom teacher knows that the local Lions Club in the particular community of the school um, offers visual assistance for people in need. Some Lions Clubs have purchased uh, screening machines, visual screening machines. I don't know where precisely, but here and there they've done that and they perform that function and so I thought it would be a great thing for folks to know
1: that. Thanks Paul that's that's good and it's nice to have community resources like that that can help out on that. Um, So yeah so visual screening is something that we routinely do at a number of different ages.
4: Yeah so uh, we start doing those at kind of the well child checks in our uh, pediatrics office but you know, a lot of times kids don't always get in for those, so I think it's good to know that there are some community resources available. I actually, didn't know that the Lions Club offered that, so um, that's definitely a good thing to know. But we, yeah, we do start screening um, at our well-child visits. I, I, think some schools may screen as well, but um, I don't know that that's something that is mandated or anything. Um, so, but I think it should be done yearly, um, especially for school-age children. So,
1: yeah, we, we, you know, there are certain things that we look for and screen for around the newborn period. And then periodically after that with the, with the normal acquisition of, of normal eye behaviors that babies have and, and uh, neonates have. And then somewhere around between three and three and a half years of age, uh, once that child can communicate different things, you know, sort of the eye chart uh, that we have is a rough screening technique. And, uh, and now that they don't know their letters yet, but we have shapes and we have different directional signs. And there's all kinds of standardized ways we can do that. Uh, a lot of times, though, we're prompted by parents who have some concerns about, you know, some things that they've observed uh, that the child, that they think that they can't see or can see.
4: Yeah, I think like grades dropping and exactly. uh, uh, chronic headaches tend to kind of be some complaints that parents bring up that will often kind of lead us towards checking vision.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of different, uh, you know, uh, what a lot of parents will call lazy guy or strabismus. Uh, which is uh, an, a um, problem with the muscular system of the eyes to to be lined up, uh, both, both eyes lined up together. So there's lots of different things that we look for. But if you notice that, and again, when they enter school, again, that's a time that their physician should be looking at those kinds of things. Uh, uh, but if you have these other resources, I'd say take advantage of them. You know, that's a great resource with the Lions Club and others uh, that have that. And, um, you know, we mentioned sports participation, physicals too. That's important for sports, um, particularly contact sports and high velocity sports. So, if your child does have a visual impairment and they're playing baseball, um, that could potentially be a problem. If you have a baseball coming at them at a high velocity, high speed, and uh, they can't see it, so it works a lot better if they can see it. Um, so that's that's something that's important, you know, not just for sports, but per, primarily for learning. Uh, that doesn't always get picked up. You know, kids can't tell you that at that age,
4: right? And it usually can happen kind of subtly or gradually, and so a lot of times kids don't notice it until you know they just kind of start having some symptoms from it. So I think if you screen yearly, you can kind of um, catch it early and um, kind of get ahead of the ball game there and and um, make sure they have the right correction corrective lenses and things like that
1: so. absolutely absolutely well thanks paul for that uh, suggestion and uh, comment and uh, you know we often say on southern remedy kids and teens you know uh, people calling in with good information man that's how we learn about things i love hearing about that on the air and in clinic too to share with other people let's go to swayze this morning uh good morning swayze are you there swayze uh yes hey good morning thanks for calling
2: yeah i was Curious if you have any suggestions. I have a twelve-year-old daughter who will be going back to school soon, and has seemed kind of down this summer, and just concerned about things that go along with middle school, and and just bullying and depression, and how to how to recognize it, what to do about it.
1: Yeah, that's a big one that comes up every year, um, particularly at some ages. You said twelve years age, twelve twelve years old. Yeah, that's a hard age. Middle school is is difficult. Um, yeah, I
4: think middle school is kind of the prime bullying
1: absolutely. peak. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. Uh, let me ask a couple other questions too. Is is are that do they already have access to any social media?
4: Oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And okay. Cell phone text messaging. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. That helps. So yeah, there's a couple of things that you want to look out for. Um, that are red flags that you want to inquire more. The more you know about your child, and it's hard at this age because they're not going to tell you, they're not going to volunteer a lot of information. Uh, if they're avoiding uh, certain situations, now a little bit of school fear, particularly if they're changing schools, different school location, that's okay. Uh, you want to be able to talk it through with them. If you can drive by that school, if you can even maybe even take a you know a walk through of the school grounds just so that they can get a a sense of what that's going to be like uh, when they're there. But some of the red flags, if, if things that they liked and enjoyed doing, if they're avoiding those things, uh, or if they have an, an uh, over sort of over-the-top fear of certain uh, situations, uh, then, you know, I would inquire that it might be something like bullying. Um, there are behaviors, you know, if they're, um, you know, if they, sort of the classic one is if they're... You know, if they're losing a lot of stuff when they go to school, uh, money, uh, supplies, um, if, um, you know, if they feel like that they're sort of being ostracized uh, and pushed aside by certain groups, all those things can be sort of red flags that bullying is going on. And you want to inquire with the child. And then once they get in the school system, inquire with the teachers, too, just to see. And most schools have a zero tolerance for that, too. I mean, they don't really they really pay attention to that. Um, one thing I've heard from school principals, uh particularly in middle school, and particularly with with this age females uh, is that there is a very high instance of social media bullying' is the reason sure. I asked that
4: yeah i would I would just to piggyback on that um One good thing I've heard parents start doing now is if you know your your teen is on Facebook or any other social media getting your own account to kind of monitor what they're doing, friend them and um, make sure you're kind of I think communication is the key and kind of seeing uh, what they're doing on there. It, you know, sometimes it's hard to uh, monitor everything they do, but um, just to kind of keep a surveillance out on social media, I think is important for parents as well.
1: And you can always, you know, uh, setting the bar early about, you know, having access to their accounts is also key because it a lot of those accounts, a lot of those apps, a lot of those products are not uh, savvy for you to you know to see all the time, so having access to them is really key. Um, so I would ask more questions, Swayze, about that. It's you, you have to be a bit of a, a detective to try to figure those things out sometimes. Yeah, uh, sometimes
2: you'll talk more than others.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just the whole age right there. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, middle school is like a it's a war zone, really. Right, nice. and kids are are nasty to each other. Remember, bullying too. It's not necessarily saying you wear glasses, you're different, you know, and I, I wear glasses, so I can say that. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, but it's going beyond that so that you're, you know, you're because they all are going to pick at each other at least a little bit. But it's when it, it really is uh, getting at who that person is and sort of hurting them. And I, I would encourage her to, you know, to if she doesn't have, you know, a sort of a set of friends to try to encourage that if you do know of other people, who have kids that age to maybe encourage them to be your friend. Um, yeah. That one of the best things to, to, you know, to tell your child if they are being bullied is to find other people that have similar likes that are their friends that are going to really you know, treat them with respect for who they really are uh, rather than try to make fun of fun of them. Bullies, you know, uh, they're everywhere. They're in every situation. Um, and actually, those are the ones that really, it's, it's really hard for the person who is bullying because there's such a high incidence of other problems down the line. Um, one thing you don't want, it, want her to do, uh, usually if she, uh, there, there are some ways to help her deal with the bullying behavior that aren't directly fighting back physically. Mm-hmm. That tends to escalate it. Um, although it can be really subtle. Uh, But I'm going to give you uh, some resources to look at. If you'll go to, uh, there's a great website for parents uh, about all kinds of different things, but they've got a great section on bullying. It's called healthychildren.org. Healthychildren.org. Some of you you may may have heard me uh, mention that before. But if you just go to their search uh, part of that website and type in bullying, uh, they've got some great resources in there to go to.
2: Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate sure. it. Sure.
1: All right. Good luck. Thanks. Bye. Man, my kids are 13 and 16 right now, and, uh, man, they're just Are they know,
4: active on social media?
1: They are very active on so- Well, one of them is active on so- social <laughs> media. So he's on Snappy Chat. And he's Boy, it's a-
4: just Snapchat.
1: Well, that's what I call <laughs> it. I have my own names for it. I have the Book of Face. There's Snappy <laughs> Chat. There's, what do you I, have for Instagram? Okay. I don't know. You know, I need one for Instagram. I just thought about that. I don't mm. have one for. Instagram. But I'm. I, and actually, I'm on Twitter. They are not. Do you uh, monitor
4: what they do on?
1: Yes, we do. Uh, so I have. Uh, well, they're not on the Book of Face, <laughs> but uh, my wife is. But um, but they do. Uh, you know, Instagram and uh, Snapchat are two of the the biggest ones. mostly Instagram right now. It's sort of the the one that they they choose to be on. But yeah, we do. We when actually we have a cohort. We have other friends and uh and family members a that team
4: of parents for is, su- that all supervise a team secretly of
1: yes yes it's uh and uh, we're, we're even recruiting the russians to monitor <laughs> my kids uh to make sure they're not doing anything well i know who to call if you need help with that <laughs> <laughs> this is southern remedy kids and teens we're talking about back to school topics this morning and uh got some good calls hey plenty of time for you to call in with any specific questions you have about the health of you or your family you can give us a call today at 1-877-MPB-RING that's 1-877-672-7464 or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org we're going to take a break and when we get back we're going to continue our discussion about back to school
0: Evening of Jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10, weeknights, on MPB Music Radio. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners.
4: As an MPB listener, you probably know of Radio Reading Service, our free closed-circuit network for the print-impaired. But did you know that means Radio Reading Service isn't only for the visually impaired and that MPB provides the special receiver you need for the service?
0: Call 601-432-6301
4: to see if you qualify for MPB's Radio Reading Service. 601-432-6301. There's so much more to know.
0: To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens, with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, kids at mpbonline.org.
1: Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with Dr. Deney McVaden, and we're talking about back-to-school topics, how you prepare your family for going back to school. We've got some great questions and a few comments at, uh, about different ways to do that. And uh, if you'd like to give us a call this morning, you can reach us at one MPB Ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org you know some of the the two biggest things that parents uh struggle with in fact we heard this on the way in the studio from somebody here at mpb uh is uh sleep and nutrition uh you know what are they eating and how are they how do we get back on a sleep schedule because my kids i'm not saying my kids but a lot of kids you know they're up all night and they sleep until about ten or eleven, and that just doesn't fit in with a school schedule very well.
4: No, it doesn't. Getting back on that school schedule can be very challenging for some parents.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know there are some there are some general you know recommendations. One of the main things that the parents ask too, not just during the school year, but any time, is like how much should my kids sleep?
4: Right, and I think a lot of parents um, they always think kind of the, the eight hour rule for adults um, uh, is the same for children. And it's really not, I was supposed to
1: get eight hours.
4: <laughs> ideally. <laughs> um, uh, no, it, I was kind of telling you, know, the younger they are, the more sleep they need. So, you know, when you're have a school age child, you're looking at, you know, more to 10 hours, 12 hours, just 10 to 12 hours of sleep, not just that adult eight hour dose that nobody gets really into. <laughs> but, um, I think that's really important for kids So. um, You know, I've definitely noticed correlations with, like, how they do in school um, on how much they're sleeping at night and the quality of their sleep. Um, So I think that's a a very important thing going into school.
1: Yeah, that's one of the first questions I ask if they're having problems in school. I ask about uh, what we call sleep hygiene. So tell me about when you normally go to sleep, when you wake up, uh, what's the environment that they sleep in? I mean, all those things can sort of... You
2: know, the
4: TV on all night, cell phone at the bedside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. all not, those great things for sleep. <laughs> not the best environment. Um, you know there is a lot of good data on if you have a TV just in the room, even, not even if it's on. not even on. But if you have a TV in that that child or teenager's room, uh, they get anywhere from one to two hours less sleep per night. Uh, that's a lot. So that's that's you know, and if you have it on, I know a lot of people will say, well. It puts me to sleep, well, not really. it's stimulating your brain, and particularly light has a lot to do with it. So our eye is directly connected to our brain. in fact, you know the ophthalmologist will tell us that it is a direct extension of our brain, sort of gross. you're looking at you know somebody's brain if you're looking at their eyes uh but it um it's also it doesn't just show us the world around us, the you know the visual world around us. It also helps to control our sleep and wake cycles, and there's little receptors on the back of the retina of the eye, and it um, you know, when it receives light, it tells the brain in normal situations, hey, you need to wake up, and when it has decreased light levels, particularly certain wavelengths of light, um, blue light in particular, with um, uh, laptops and, exactly. and TVs and things, it it gets uh, you know it gets stimulated to wake up, so. Uh, those kinds of things don't really put you to sleep. There really is a difference uh, in, in those light levels. And, you know, there, there, there are some devices now that particularly, you know, the Apple devices or other devices that they have a feature where after a certain period of time, you know, it, it's sundown, it'll change the wavelength. It'll have that nice amber glow. I have mine set up, up that way. But even then, if you're so. using it, it's still going to keep you up. So you need to to set those limits. Yeah. They're not going to like it. Uh, you may not like it uh, yourself, but um, but that's probably a good a good first start is to you know if they have those things, get them out of the bedroom and make that bedroom at least during that time of the day uh, the time of the night, the place where you go to sleep.
4: Yeah, not just you know getting them out of the room but also limiting screen time you know that hour or two before bedtime I think is a good idea as well also well not letting them eat and drink much, you know that hour to two hours before bed so.
1: Yeah, because they'll be getting up exactly. Um, and by the way, I call those things you know all those things that take away sleep sleep thieves. That's my new word for it. So that's ah, the catchy. Devices, phones, TV. It's about mm-hmm.
4: as catchy as Snappy Chat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, and the other thing is not you know is is getting into a routine, particularly if they have been you know every day during the summer if they've been going to bed at two a.m. and waking up at ten guess what? Uh, (laughs) They're not going to change overnight. Do not wait until the night before school.
4: Right. I always tell parents, you know, a week to two weeks ahead of time before school starts, you really need to get on that sleep schedule, waking them up early, putting them to bed early, um, just so they can kind of slowly ease back into it.
1: So you heard it straight from Dr. (laughs) McVaden's mouth. Now is the time. We're we're a couple of weeks out. Go ahead and do it right now. They're going to say, oh, come on. Summer's not over yet. Well, that's no excuse, and just do the right thing, and go ahead and tell them to go to sleep.
4: You can still get just as much fun in than
1: your last week of summer. That's exactly right. That never has made sense to me. It's like you have the same amount of time because you end up sleeping later in the day, so you can you can have fun. I don't know what the deal is. So that routine is important, and you do want to start earlier. Uh, this is also probably one of the the most common things that teachers uh, complain about is lack of sleep. You know, I got a bunch of kids that first couple of weeks of school and they're falling asleep in their class, um, you know, during the day. So it's uh, make sure that they're doing that and getting in back into a routine. Um, what about supplements or other other things that they can take? Because a lot of parents will say, "Can I give them anything that can get them sort of kick started back on this?"
4: Yeah, I think that's a good topic to address because a lot of parents ask me that question and um, also, you know, want a quick fix for that. I think getting in the routine um, and having kind of that healthy sleep environment is probably the best thing you can do. Often we'll tell parents, you know, let's try this first, um, see if this makes a difference. Um, Probably my first um, go-to in a fairly safe medication or supplement would be melatonin Mm -hmm. um, to try that. Things like, you know, Benadryl, they're just not great for kind of the chronic use and that's really not what they're... Intended for, um, so that's kind of my first line is is the melatonin.
1: Yeah, and Benadryl is marketed in different ways. You know, with adults, you know, Tylenol PM yeah. or Zquel, or, or yeah, exactly. So a lot of those uh, have Benadryl uh, uh, in them, uh, and melatonin is a is a hormone that the body uses to help regulate sleep, and it is over the counter. As a lot of uh, you know, just about every pharmacy would have melatonin. It tends to be safe. There aren't a whole lot of side effects. There are some side effects with it, but um, but you can Fair try right.
4: that. I, I haven't ever actually seen any side effects. It is yeah, still I very dose. You know, don't just think right. it's a supplement. You can take 10 of them. Um, right. <laughs> you know, you want to still take the recommended dose uh, for their age. So,
1: And it's, it's best not to continue as a sleep aid, but in, it, particularly if you do want to do something uh, and it's more of you're resetting when you go to sleep and when you wake. Uh, In fact, one of the first areas that this was studied uh, in was jet lag uh, Mm -hmm. in adults. So they looked at resetting that, particularly if you're crossing more than about three to four time zones. Um, So that's something. But the best thing, just as Dr. McVaden said, is that sleep environment and getting back into a routine. So nutrition is a big one, too. Um, So a lot of kids, you know, because of the differences in when they wake up and a lot of times because of a lack of planning when they get up and go to school, there won't be time, you know. I ask in clinic, uh, "Tell me what you eat. Tell me what you ate yesterday. Did you eat breakfast?" Well, no, I didn't have time. I went to school. I had to get ready. It was rushed, uh, and then that might be the norm. But breakfast really is important. I mean, it really is one of the most—maybe not the important—but it is one of the most important meals of the yes. day,
4: not to be skipped.
1: Exactly. Uh, the The analogy I get, I give all the time is. Do you, do you really want to you know run your car on no gas first thing in the morning? I mean, you want to make sure that it's gassed up and ready to go, and it's got enough fuel. It's Going to
4: last you till lunchtime.
1: Yeah, and the brain's the same way. If they're going to school and they're they're you know don't have at least something that's healthy uh, for them, you want to make good choices because you can you can have some of the same behaviors that um, that uh, that you can have with with the decreased sleep. Uh, if they're eating a bunch of junk, I mean, if they're just eating the, like high sugar things in the morning, uh, they're going to crash in Absolutely. about two hours.
4: I think a lot of uh, parents fall into that the sugary cereal diet for the morning. Yeah, it's um, easy.
1: Right. It's easy. easy. It's
4: cheap. Um, you know, I always, it, when parents give me the oh, rushed and we don't have time for breakfast, there's certain things you can kind of eat on the go. You know, uh, low sugar yogurt, um, granola bars, those type of things. Um, I think the biggest thing is just not skipping that meal, getting something in in the morning.
1: Yeah, and they, you know, a lot of times they'll get in a cycle of they're behind. So if, they, uh, if they're if they behind going into lunch, they'll uh, eat more. They'll eat more. Uh, been some good studies on decreased amount of meals and obesity, because you would think, well, if my child's obese, they probably don't need to eat three meals a day anyway. Well, they do. Absolutely. They need to just make healthy choices, and portion size is a big, big one there. Um, lunch... So, you know, that's always a, a sketchy yeah, school one. School
4: lunches don't tend to be the healthiest.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, you know, the the deal is you need to know what your school is, is providing. And sometimes because of the school choices that they have now, they allow the child to make the choices for themselves. If they have pizza uh, and then so salad. They're going to
4: pick pizza. Yeah.
1: That's a no-brainer, right? <laughs> um so uh, if if that is an issue with you, you know talk about that, look at the school menus, and uh, you can always have the child if you have the resources and the means to do it. they can take their own lunch to school also, uh, but make sure that they 're eating uh, eating that lunch and trying to make some healthy choices, particularly as they get older. Uh, snacks are something at schools that are, uh, thankfully, I think we've made a, a, a lot of headway from where we were 10 or 15 years ago with unhealthy snacks, sugary drinks, uh, making sure that water, we have water available and 100% fruit juice, even though they probably don't even need that. The water's great during school. Um, but snacks are something that they may have, you know, access to, particularly as they get older with break yeah,
4: especially um, afternoon kids who stay after school, sports exactly. and things like that. It's it's a long way from lunch till dinner, especially if you have two hours of football practice or track practice. So I always tell parents, make sure if the school doesn't provide it, that you give them some sort of snack, healthy uh, snack to get them through the afternoon.
1: And, and sports are a big deal, too. So what's going to happen around that? You know, if, I know at our school, depending on the age, so I have two, they're going to be playing football uh, and uh, their practices aren't at the same time. So when do they have practice? What are you going to do with, you know, nutrition around there? So important. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, if, if you doubt the importance of nutrition uh, in, in schools, uh, look at sports programs. Look at uh, nationally renowned sports programs. Uh, and uh, nutrition is a big deal. They usually have, uh, no matter what sports you're talking about, they usually have somebody on staff that they pay That is looking at the nutrition of their athletes, and uh, the best programs are going to have the best athletes. I used actually when I went to the Navy SEALs training site for my son uh, when he was like thinking about this. Yeah, I was, (laughs) and I said, "Hey, these Navy SEALs, these guys, like they got it going on, right? I mean, they're they're over there, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff." And he's like, "Yeah." I said, "Okay, well, let's look at what they eat." And lo and behold, they eat like three to five meals a day, but it's healthy things. Lots of fruits and vegetables. Uh, they don't really take a lot of supplements, you know, which is another issue with a lot of kids. Um, so it's, its uh, you know, who knew? I, uh, healthy A healthy diet actually does, does pretty good. <laughs>
4: yeah, and, you know, I've heard a lot from teenage boys especially, and some girls um, that are athletes, you kind of would be really surprised to know all the supplements and things they're taking. So I think that's a, another good thing for parents to be aware of. Not all of those are FDA regulated and most of them haven't been shown to really offer any improvement, you know, on the field. Yeah. Um, but they love to take, you know, creatine and yep. protein and those type of things. And a
1: lot with caffeine in it too. You really have to watch out about a lot of the, the sports drinks. Yeah, high sugar. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Uh, a couple other things that we did want to mention. Um, You know, if, you know, different ages, first graders, think about expectations. Talk them through what they're going to go through during the day. Are they going to, you know, how are they going to get to school? Are they going to take the bus? Uh, What kind of transportation? And make it fun. Don't lose that fun aspect. A first grader wants to know. excited. Absolutely. Um, Grade schoolers, you know, what kind of manners do you want? What kind of behaviors do you want them to have when they go in? Do role play. You know, right. that's, that I is always think great. It's, I
4: tell parents to do the dress rehearsal, you know, go and visit Absolutely. the school, meet the teacher ahead of time. So nothing's kind of new and foreign on their first day. It all yeah. feels a little more
1: comfortable. We we always, too, it means a lot uh, to support those teachers. If you can email those teachers or let them know, maybe just send a note with them saying, hey, I support you. If there's anything I can do, if there's anything, uh, you know, that you need to bring to my attention, please feel free to do that. It means a lot to them. Uh, and most teachers are really, they are incredibly dedicated individuals, uh, who have a hard job, uh, and they put a lot into it. And that's one way you can support them is just letting them know that, um, keep in mind, you know, we mentioned social media earlier on. If they do have access to social media, make sure you know what the limitations are and they probably don't need to have it at school. So those are hours that, you know, you may want to say, these are the hours that you don't need to be on the book of face or, a or how about jet. these few hours are the,
4: the time when you're <laughs> allowed right. to be on. That's even better.
1: That's even better. <laughs> um, and transportation too, for the high schoolers, uh, a lot of them are going to have lots of distractions. Talk them through that young drivers, even older drivers, maybe been driving a couple of years, lots uh, of friends in the car. Oh, that's a, that's a recipe for a wreck, a disaster. And you want to make sure that their mind is not totally distracted by other things. So, uh, talking all that through, um, so make a list. Check it twice, and hopefully your family will make it through this transition time. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Uh, Dini McVaden for being with us today. Yeah, and uh, thanks for having me. Sure, we'll have you back. <laughs> um, so Southern Remedy Kids and Teens is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, and we're funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from you, our listeners. Today's show was engineered by Jay White Uh, You can join us every Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And if you had a question that we didn't uh, address today, please email us at kids at mpbonline.org. Hey, before I forget, I want to give a shout out to my intern whose birthday today, Dr. Mallory Holmes. So happy birthday, birthday. Mallory. Uh, You can stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.